We've talked a lot recently about why Facebook is not a good promotion tool for authors. It's expensive in terms of time, and the more you use it, the more your book's reviews get taken down from Amazon. Yes, there are ways to make Facebook advertising work, but in general, it's not a good tool to use if you don't want to spend money. But there is another social network. It takes far less time to use and is focused specifically on books. Yes, I'm talking about Goodreads, one of the best social networks for authors. In terms of bang for the buck or bang for the minute, it is perhaps the number one social network that I recommend. Now, there is a lot of misinformation spreading about Goodreads in the author world right now. And so in this episode, I'm going to dispel some of the most common Goodreads myths and teach you six ways you can use Goodreads to boost your book sales. Author Media presents Novel Marketing, the longest running book marketing podcast in the world. I'm the Vulcan of book marketing, Thomas Umstead Jr., and this is the show for writers who want to build their platforms, sell more books, and change the world with writing worth talking about. But before we can talk about how you can use Goodreads for marketing, we need to talk about why readers use Goodreads. Because once we understand what makes Goodreads popular with readers, we can understand how to connect with them on Goodreads. So let's talk about the problem that Goodreads fixes. The problem is, is that the vast majority of books on Amazon all have four and a half stars. If you look at the graphic, probably 80 to 90% of books show having four and a half stars. Yes, there's a decimal, so some might have 4.4 and some might have 4.6, but the star rating system on Amazon is more or less broken. If you're trying to figure out which of an author's books are best, they're all going to show four and a half stars, so it's hard to figure out which one to read first. Goodreads, at least in the early days, had a different star rating system. And when you would hover over a star, if it was one star, it said, I hated it. Two stars was, I didn't like it. Three stars was, I liked it. Four stars was, I really liked it. And five stars meant, I loved it. So there was a much greater diversity to the Goodreads rating. And so a three-star book was a good book. A four-star book was a really good book. And a five-star book was like the best book ever. This makes Goodreads reviews a lot more useful for readers. And I observe this behavior with my wife. She's a big fan of Agatha Christie books. And when she wants to pick which Agatha Christie book to read next, she doesn't look to Amazon reviews because they all show more or less the same score. Instead, she goes to Goodreads where she's able to figure out which book she should read next. It's it kind of like uh, hotel stars, right? A three-star hotel is still a good place to stay. Now, one of the pieces of misinformation I want to dispel is that Goodreads is full of trolls. And this is being spread primarily by authors who are not Goodreads users. <laughs> they show up on Goodreads, they see that the stars on Goodreads are lower, and so then they assume that the people on Goodreads must be harsher. But in reality, it's just a different grading system. Goodreads is not full of trolls. Uh, there are trolls everywhere on the internet, so there are, I'm sure there's some on Goodreads, but Twitter and YouTube have a much bigger problem with trolls than Goodreads. Why? 
because in general, trolls don't read books. <laughs> that's too much work. Leaving a review on a book or being involved in the book world, that's not a big attraction for most trolls. Most trolls want to hang out other places. Sure, if you're writing about politics or some controversial issue, you'll bring your you know troll haters with you to Goodreads. But for most people, they don't have a troll problem on Goodreads. Now, the other problem that Goodreads solves is whose reviews matter to you. So as a reader, do you care what strangers think about your book? Maybe a little bit. And on Amazon, reviews are sorted by how helpful they are to strangers. Whereas on Goodreads, reviews are sorted based off of what your friends think about a book. So if you go to a popular book like Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings that's got 10,000 reviews, the first reviews you'll see on Goodreads are from your friends. Because frankly, I don't care what 10,000 people have to say about a book. I care what my friends have to say about a book. And it also helps me have a really cool real-life conversation about books, which is, as a reader, one of my favorite kinds of conversations to have because I can see what my friends thought about a book, and then we can talk about that book. It's really great. <laughs> so when you go to a Goodreads page, the friends' reviews are presented first. So even if a book were attacked by trolls, people wouldn't see those reviews first. They would see the reviews by their friends first, and they would put much more stock in that. So in many ways, you're more protected from trolls on Goodreads than you are on Amazon. You can have your Amazon reviews brigaded by an army of angry trolls who all come and leave you one-star reviews and find each other's reviews helpful, and then suddenly your whole page has been taken over. Whereas on Goodreads, that can never happen as long as the readers who are visiting the page have friends who've already left reviews for your book. So even if you are getting brigaded on Goodreads, the social element of it protects you. Which is why Amazon owns Goodreads and lets Goodreads continue to run because it helps solve several problems that Amazon has. Amazon, as a merchant, wants lots of high reviews, right? Because they're wanting to sell books. Whereas Goodreads, which is a social network for readers, is trying to guide you to the next best book to read, the next best book for you. Remember, because everybody likes a different kind of book. One cool feature that I like about Goodreads is that you can pull up any of your friends on Goodreads and it will show you a circle of all of your books that you've read, all of the books that they've read, and then the books that you've both read. So if you're the kind of person who likes talking about books, Goodreads is probably the place that you're already hanging out because it's where the book people hang out, which if you're an author, you want to hang out where the book people are because <laughs> you can see which books you both like, which books you really didn't like. So maybe I gave a book a three-star review and somebody else gave the book a five-star review. We can talk about why did you love that book and we can have a fun conversation about it. So who uses Goodreads? The kind of people who read a lot of books, or rather someone I'd like to call Voracious Veronica, because she reads books voraciously. Somebody who's reading 50 or more books a year is reading everything and anything. And they are taking risks on new authors. They're not just reading the books that are made into movies. They're reading books no one has heard of. They are the kind of people that their real-life friends come to for a book recommendation. Somebody's about to go on vacation, they go and ask Voracious Veronica what book they should read because they know Voracious Veronica knows what a good book recommendation would be for them because she's well-read. These are the kinds of people you want to hang out with, and these are the kinds of people you do hang out with when you hang out on Goodreads. Compare that to 
Facebook, which will have a lot of people who don't really read books. Maybe they read, you know, one or two books a year, but really only books that are getting a ton of buzz, right? They have the movies, they have the bestseller badges. They're not reading books from debut authors or, or lesser known authors. So you're wasting a lot of energy trying to get people who are just not the kind of people who will ever buy your book, right? Only 30% of the population has ever read an ebook. So if you're an indie author and you're planning to make most of your money selling ebooks, you're only trying to reach 30% of the overall population. And inside of that 30%, you're only looking for the slice that is interested in your genre. And that may sound discouraging, right? Because you're looking for a small slice of a small slice. But on the other hand, the kind of people who own ebooks read a lot of books. And <laughs> so uh, they do most of the reading, even though they're not most of the population. This is how statistics works. <laughs> so in most statistical representations of people, a small group of the people present most of the results, right? A small group of people at your church fund most of the church. A small group of people in politics do most of the voting, right? There's the kind of people who only vote once every four years for president. And then there's a small percentage who vote five or six times a year. They're voting for city council member and school board. And that smaller percentage has a disproportionate influence. The same is true throughout all of society. All right. So with that, hopefully you understand who Goodreads is geared at. It's not geared at your typical one to two books a year reader. It's geared at the kind of person who's reading a lot of books every year. So my first strategy for you to make the most out of Goodreads is to use Goodreads as a reader. Every social network has its own dialect, its own jargon, its own culture. And in order to use a social network well and to sound like a native, you need to spend some time on that social network. And there was a common mistake that was really popular in the 20 teens where someone would create some piece of content and then copy and paste it. They'd post it to Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, and it was the same thing. And it didn't work because each of those communities have their own way of speaking, their own vernacular, and it didn't sound authentic. It didn't sound real. It just sounded like copy and pasted marketing buzz. And often it was done by some automated tool or a virtual assistant. And so there was no human, there was no voice behind it, and it didn't work. And that's still true. Some people are still doing that in the 2020s, which is unfortunate. <laughs> but if you want results, you need to be a native speaker of whatever the social network is, right? If you're on Reddit, you need to understand how Reddit is different. If you're on Pinterest, you need to understand how Pinterest is different. And I don't recommend those social networks unless you have a good reason. And that good reason typically is your target reader spends a lot of time on that particular social network and they not only do they spend time there, but they spend time there wanting to talk about books <laughs> because it might be that they're hanging out there, but they don't want to talk about books while they're there. Or they don't want to buy books while they're there. Whereas everyone on Goodreads wants to talk about books and they're going to Goodreads often to decide what book to read next, right? If you're voracious Veronica, every week you need to find a new book to read. Maybe every day you need to find a new book to read. I remember being at a writer's conference and I was talking with one of the writers and I could tell she'd read a lot of books. And so I was like, how many books do you read a year? And she thought about it and she said, probably about 300. So every weekday she would read a whole book. She was a super fast reader and she could start a book in the evening and before bed, she was done with it. Right. And that is a lady with a real book discovery problem, right? Could you recommend a new book every day and hold her attention? I couldn't. <laughs> so I don't read enough books. So that's the kind of person who's hanging out on Goodreads. 
So use it as a reader. So how do you do that? Well, the first thing is you set a reading goal. One of the things that sets Goodreads apart is it's not just full of voracious Veronicas, people who read a lot of books, but it's also people who aspire to be voracious Veronica. They made a New Year's resolution. They're going to read more books and spend less time watching TV. So there's a big boom of Goodreads usage at the end of the year and beginning of the year. People set their reading goals. And one of the things Goodreads will do is, you, let's say you set a goal to read 20 books a year and you've read five books by June. Are you ahead or behind? Well, Goodreads will tell you. It does the math. It gives you a little progress bar. And it's constantly encouraging you to read more books. And then when you add a book saying, hey, I finished this book, it updates your goal and then it invites you to leave a review for your book. So I encourage you to set a reading goal and use Goodreads as a reader. Read books in your genre. The only way to avoid being accidentally derivative is to know what is out there. You want to be in tune with your genre so you can write the kind of books that people want to read. And the only way to do that is to be reading in your genre, to know what books people like and why they like those books. Goodreads is a really useful tool for this because not only does it help you know what's hot in your genre, in your micro genre, but also what people like about it because it's got the much more interesting, useful reviews. So a typical Amazon review is often about a paragraph. Goodreads reviews are often longer. Sometimes they're a really long discussion of the book from the really core readers. And it's very informative to see what the core readers have to say. So as you're reading books in your genre and other books, right? You don't just read in your genre, but post them all to Goodreads. Try to hit that goal that you set for yourself and review all the books that you're reading. And this is another big difference between Goodreads and Amazon. Amazon reviewers tend to only review the books that they either loved or hated. So you see a lot of Amazon reviews that are five stars and one or two stars. And that's not how Goodreads reviewers are. They review all the books, even the books that they thought were good, but not great, right? So you're going to see a lot more three-star reviews on Goodreads, and you'll find yourself leaving more three-star reviews on Goodreads as you use it as a reader and try to review all the books that you read. <laughs> so, and you can even review a book you didn't finish. You can kind of put, hey, I read the first hundred pages. And I believe if I remember correctly, there's even a way to say, hey, here's how much of the book that I've read. And then I got bored and left. That's a really useful review for your friends. And that's the other thing about Goodreads. Since it shows your reviews primarily to your friends, it means you have a specific audience. You're not trying to like impress the author or make friends with the author or find strangers. You're trying to help your friends find more books that they would find helpful. The other thing I would do is review some of your all-time favorite books, the classics of old, the books that influenced you as an author, or maybe inspired you as an author, because this will help give potential readers down the road an idea of what your influences are and an idea of kind of where you fit in the constellation of books. So don't just review the current books that you're reading. Review some of your favorites from back in the day. Don't feel like you have to review every book you ever read. When I first got on Goodreads years ago, I was like, I'm going to capture every book you've ever read. And I wrote hundreds of reviews and I burned myself out <laughs> of writing Goodreads reviews. So don't do that. But do pick, you know, four or five of your favorites and post the reviews there. It'll help define you as an author and help you connect with readers. Okay, the second strategy for using Goodreads as a marketing tool is to set up your author page. So a lot of people discover books through Goodreads and Goodreads will allow you for free to claim your author page. This is where you add your photo, you add your bio. It's an extension of your page as a reader. So it 
you kind of have to get on Goodreads and play with it and you'll see the difference. But your author page lists all the books that you've written, but then there's a way to click to go and see all the books that you've read. And once you claim your author page, which we'll have a link in the show notes of this episode to Goodreads instructions on how to do it, it's not complicated. You will get the special G Goodreads author badge next to anytime your name appears on Goodreads. So it's kind of like that blue check mark on Twitter, but it's way easier to get. You become a Goodreads author. There's no cost to doing this, but it does take a little bit of time to copy and paste all the information. And I would try to get your author profile to 100%. So add every piece of information. If they've got a field for it, go and find that field. The more information you put here, the more robust your author page will be and the more useful it will be for readers. But again, and I really want to reiterate this, use Goodreads as both an author and a reader. The third strategy for Goodreads, and perhaps the most popular and the most effective strategy on Goodreads, but one you really have to have done the work already to earn the right to do this, is to give books away for free. So Goodreads has a powerful giveaway engine where you can give away copies of your books. And there's two ways you can do it. You can give away eBooks and you can give away print books. Now I recommend only doing eBooks right now because there is some problems with fraud in the print books part of Goodreads where there's some kind of super resellers who've created thousands of bot accounts and they'll enter the print book giveaways just to get a free copy of a book that they then put for resale on Amazon. <laughs> so they don't read it, they don't review it, and there's enough of those. We're giving away the paper books. I don't recommend anymore. So if you listen to the old episodes of this podcast, back in 2013, 2014, this was the way to do it, and it was very effective. But a handful of kind of selfish readers have broken the print book giveaway tool. On the other hand, you can still give away eBooks. And I actually like eBooks better, even if the print books worked, partly because it's cheaper. So for a print book, you have to pay for the giveaway, and then you have to also pay to print the book and ship the books. So you're looking at a per reader cost of $10, $15, depending on how many people win your giveaway. And that's really expensive. <laughs> and, and not all those people are going to leave you reviews. So your cost per review ends up being kind of high with a print book. Whereas with an ebook, you can give away as many as 100 ebooks. So that's a cost per book of a dollar to two dollars. Really inexpensive to give away ebooks. You'll get more reviews that way. So giveaways are one of the cheapest ways to get exposure as an author. And they really do drive reviews. And they tend to drive more positive reviews because people have to go through the effort to enter the giveaway. They win the giveaway. They're happy that they won. So that creates a little bit of a sense of reciprocity, right? It's hard to give a one-star review on a book that somebody gave you for free. So I encourage you to offer as many copies of your book in your giveaway. So if you're doing an ebook giveaway, give away 100 copies. You really want to get as many people reading and reviewing your book as you can. And I would start giving away copies of your book at least 30 days before launch, because that really makes the giveaway fun, right? The, for 30 days, the only way to get a copy of this book is to enter the Goodreads giveaway. Once they enter the giveaway, there's a lot of ways where they can get more connected with you on Goodreads, which can help not just with this book, but all of your subsequent books as the more followers you have on Goodreads, the more Goodreads promotes you inside of Goodreads. 
And I would also run your giveaway for as long as possible. The longer your giveaway runs, the more people will enter it in general. If you're traditionally published, you can work with your publisher on this. A lot of publishers, it's just a matter of asking them during your launch, hey, I'd like to do a Goodreads giveaway and they'll either do it or not. It's not very expensive. As I record this in 2022, there's two giveaway levels. One's at 119 for a standard giveaway, which for most authors is probably what they want. And then there's a premium giveaway for 599 that gives you a little bit more exposure and it presents you to more readers. But I think the standard giveaway is the first initial effort. It's one of the most cheap ways of promoting your book and all of book marketing. And I feel like in almost all instances, the first giveaway pays for itself. Partly because everyone who enters gets notifications to either to their phone or to their Goodreads account, which can be a really great way of you know, connecting with your readers down the road. And readers also get encouraged to put your book in their want to read stack of books on Goodreads, which again, you'll understand what the want to read shelf means more as you use Goodreads as a reader. And the people who do win, the people who do get a copy of your book, get emails reminding them to leave reviews. So Goodreads knows the reason why you're giving away free books on our platform is to encourage reviews. And so the people who win get reminded by Goodreads to leave your reviews. The fourth way to promote your book on Goodreads is to advertise. Now, as I record this, advertising doesn't work very well on Goodreads because the images for the book covers are too small. And because those book covers are so small, they don't get very many clicks and they don't get much attention because they are the, perhaps the smallest thumbnails for book covers on any website ever. You cannot read the text. They're teeny tiny thumbnails. And so unless you've designed your book cover to work on Goodreads, you may find that Goodreads ads doesn't work very well. So why am I talking about Goodreads advertising? Well, I still believe that Goodreads advertising can work. And I've seen indications that Goodreads is starting to redesign the website. And if they redesign the website so that the book cover is larger, <laughs> dramatically and overnight, Goodreads ads will start working and they'll start working really well because Goodreads has really good data on what books people like, because that's what people do on Goodreads. They go on Goodreads and they say, I liked these books. And as an advertiser right now, you can target people based off of what authors they like and what books they like, which is a really powerful tool. And it's much better than Facebook, where you can only target some books and some authors on Goodreads. As far as I know, you can target the readers of any book and any author. So you may experiment with Goodreads advertising because you may find your book cover is simple enough and strong enough uh, that it can get the attention that it needs on Goodreads. Another thing that you can do is you can combine your advertising with your giveaways. So giveaways with ads tend to get about 45% more entrance according to Goodreads. So you can buy some ads promoting your giveaway if you would like to. But the main thing I encourage you to do is to measure your results and keep this in your mind for if that redesign happens. If you go to Goodreads and suddenly the book covers for the ads are bigger, I would encourage you immediately to start buying ads because at first, most authors will still believe that the ads don't work and they don't know that the redesign has transformed the effectiveness. And so that's going to be some real easy money, some real easy sales when that happens. So just get ready for the redesign. If it comes, it will be amazing. The fifth way to promote your book on Goodreads is one of the most powerful it is to connect your blog to Goodreads. 
When you're setting up your author profile, you can add your blog to your author profile. And if you do it correctly, all new blog posts will be posted by Goodreads to your Goodreads author profile. So you, you scroll down on your author profile, it will show all of your recent blog posts. And not only that, but once a week, Goodreads sends an email out to all of your readers with the new blog post. So if somebody follows you on Goodreads, they get a weekly email of your blog post, which allows you to, in some cases, dramatically increase your email reach. <laughs> so you can get, it, it's not the same as them subscribing on your website, but you're still able to trigger an email that goes out to those people. So even if you only blog every once in a while, like say when a new book comes out, well, guess what? If you connect your blog to Goodreads, it will trigger an email that your new book is out that will go out to all of your Goodreads followers. And this is in addition to Goodreads sometimes will send an email out to all of your followers as well. So you can get multiple emails from Goodreads promoting your book. And all you have to do to increase that number is to connect your blog to Goodreads. Finally, the sixth way to use Goodreads to promote your book is to ask your readers for reviews. So with Amazon, it's kind of complicated, the rules in terms of asking for reviews, and they got to make sure you're in compliance with the terms of service. The Goodreads terms of service are more friendly to authors. The protocol on Goodreads is a little bit more relaxed. They're not quite so fussy about reviews, and they're not so picky. So Amazon will delete reviews from your Facebook friends, and it may delete reviews from people who are in a Facebook group with you. Goodreads doesn't do that, as far as I know. They're not buying social graph data from Facebook and using it to delete reviews from your friends because it wants reviews from friends. <laughs> That's the whole idea of Goodreads. And so if you have a launch team, you may want to ask some of the members of your launch team to leave you a review on Goodreads instead. Or in addition, if they're a really passionate fan, they may post it to both places. Your goal is to get 300 reviews because once you get 300 reviews, on Goodreads. Goodreads starts promoting your book to anyone they think your book will be applicable for. So really push, encourage people to leave you a review. Another thing, a lot of websites don't like it when you link to a competing store. So you have at the end of your iBooks version of your book, you want to link, say, leave a review on Apple Books, Apple iBooks. You don't want to link to Amazon. Apple doesn't like that and vice versa. Amazon doesn't like it if you link to iBooks or to Kobo. But as far as I know, nobody minds if you link to Goodreads. It's like Switzerland. <laughs> it's the neutral third party of book reviews. And so it's really easy to direct people to Goodreads and to leave a review for your book. You can even easily add a button to your website where people can add your book to their Goodreads shelf. In fact, the My Book Table plugin for WordPress for building your bookstore pages has a Goodreads button built into it already. So if you're already a MyBookTable user, it's just a few clicks to add the Goodreads button. And doing that, you may see your number of reviews starting to go up right away. So in general, I really like Goodreads. One of the things you'll notice is that none of the things that I talked about require ongoing work. Once you get your profile up to 100%, there's nothing really to do. Everything is either automatic or you only do it during your book launch. So it's the perfect social network that allows you to interact with your readers during a launch, and then you can leave it and go write your book. <laughs> it's the best, right? Because what do you want to do as an author? You want to spend all your day on social media trying to chase those likes? No, 
or at least hopefully you don't, <laughs> you want to be writing books that, that benefit people, that bless people, that entertain people. And Goodreads is a humble social network that allows you to do that. It doesn't demand daily attention, that you make daily sacrifices of your most precious asset, your time. Goodreads isn't like that. You can use it when you need it. And it's sure, it takes some time to get set up and it takes some time to get familiar with. But other than leaving reviews for the books that you're reading, the reading of the books you're doing already, writing a review, you only do it once you've read a book and it doesn't take you very long. And it's actually a good practice anyway, because reflecting on a book helps you remember what you read. So it's very little of a time commitment for such a huge return. Speaking of launches, if you are wanting help launching your book, we have a special course that guides you through the book launch process. If you're overwhelmed by how complicated a book launch is, you need help. You need a blueprint that will make it simple and help you work on the right things at the right time. And that's what we give you in the book launch blueprint. This is one of our most popular courses and we only offer it once a year. So one of the things that makes this course special is that everyone does day one together, everyone does day two together, and so you're going through it with a class. You graduate with your graduating class. The other students are reading your homework and giving you encouragement and advice and tips, and vice versa, you're doing it for them, and so you build some really great relationships with other authors, and it's very common to see all kinds of collaborations come out of the graduating class of the Book Launch Blueprint. I think a whole book got written last year. There was a bunch of sci-fi authors that teamed up to write a book together. And many of them help each other on book launches. They join their book launch teams and not to mention learning how to launch your book effectively and easily. It's work. I'm not going to say that launching your book doesn't require work, but it's a lot less work when you work on the right things at the right time. And that's what you'll get in the book launch blueprint. A registration for the 2022 classes ends April 8th. 2022. For those of you listening in the future, just go to booklaunch.fun. You can join the waiting list for next year. We do the course every year early in the year. So in the spring, it's kind of a spring semester class, so to speak. And if you want to sign up to go through the 2022 Book Launch Blueprint, just go to www.booklaunch.fun. Our featured patron today is Daniel Bishop, author of Rally Point, Place of Refuge. Leaf and Diana Joe are devastated after she miscarries after so many years of trying to get pregnant. The miscarriage becomes a catalyst for their roller coaster journey to becoming a foster family. Daniel Bishop, thank you so much for supporting the Novel Marketing Podcast as a patron. It's patrons like you that keep this podcast on the air. The Novel Marketing Podcast is a production of Author Media. This episode's audio was edited by William Umstadt. The blog post is by Shauna Lettler. And the producer is Lori Christine. I'm Thomas Emstadt Jr., your host. And to find the blog post version of this episode, visit authormedia.com slash 320. Thank you for listening and live long and prosper.